open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We have with us the legendary Jesse Powell, CEO of Kraken. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Jesse. Hey, thanks, Trace. Good to be back. Yeah, so uh, Kraken's, gosh, coming up on five years. Five years old now. What's what's with that? That's, yeah. That's eternal just, in uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, just about five years. Many, many altcoin lifetimes. Um, <laughs> It's been a, it's been a rough ride. It's been a good ride. You know, we're in it for the long haul, and hopefully, we're still here in another five years. Yeah. So the the exchange actually went live what 2013, uh, and Kraken Kraken's now. You guys are the largest exchange or second largest exchange in terms of volume now. Yeah, second right. largest exchange in terms of, of volume um, in the world. Yeah. In the world, yeah. Uh, we've, We've uh, come up a long way in the last couple months. Well, what I mean, what's the road like? How'd you guys get there? You know, you started trading in 2013, but company's 2011. Yep. Maybe a war story or two about this. Yeah, so we've actually been working on the exchange for a long time before we launched it. Uh, we thought, as a professional financial services company, um, we needed to get things right the first time. We didn't want a repeat of Mt. Gox. And, you know, a lot of our inspiration for creating the exchange was to do things better than Mt. Gox. We, we're going to get our Mt. Gox coins anytime soon? <laughs> you know, the uh, the trustee is making progress. We're, we're still occasionally um, assisting with that. But it's it's pretty much in their hands now. They're reviewing all the all the claims. Unfortunately, there are a lot of claims. And, and anytime there is a discrepancy in any of the claims, the person needs to be contacted and it needs to be resolved yeah, yeah. and you know there are tens of thousands of claimants wasn't there like 20 billion dollars claimed or something <laughs> absurd right so yeah i mean <laughs> the question is like maybe some people are just trolling and and they entered that they lost a billion dollars uh, maybe there's some typos or some currency exchange yeah, yeah. rate issues so it's out of uh, your hands Nothing yeah I mean, it's out of our hands it. they just kind of go got to go through person by person and any discrepancy has to be addressed one at a time, and it's not until they've resolved all those yeah. that they'll be able to pay anybody back. So, uh, fingers crossed that that'll get done later this year. But um, you know, it's really out of our hands at this point. The trustee hasn't committed to any specific date. Yeah. So I guess back uh, before I interrupted you, gosh, like yeah. So so kind of the war story, you know. Yeah. So I mean, before before the exchange. Um, you know, we, we had some other stuff going on uh, early in 2011. Uh, we did a lot of mining. Um, we had a we had a mining pool called Max BTC. I think it was the first mining pool to use many Rosenfeld uh, double geometric method of, of distribution, which I think was the fairest method at the time. Uh, unfortunately, that was not really appreciated by by most people. I think it was maybe a little complicated to understand. 
But that, uh, would, that would be many. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but we did a lot of mining ourselves. Uh, you know, at one point we had more than five percent of the network. Um, so early on in 2011, when Bitcoin was a dollar, you know, I did the math and uh, I, I was already totally sold on Bitcoin. You know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bunch of money into Bitcoin. And I did the math on whether I should buy Bitcoin at a dollar or buy mining equipment. And you know, <laughs> this sounds like a familiar the story. <laughs> blunder, yeah. So you and Bitfury uh, and Ant Miner, and <laughs> yeah, right. So you can probably imagine what happened. You know, I order a hundred thousand dollars worth of mining equipment, and you know, six months later it shows up. And uh, it, by that time, Bitcoin is like thirty dollars a coin, and. Um, <laughs> I sort of like missed my opportunity to, to 30x my money, but uh, we we start on mining anyway, and um, it's just like a giant headache, a giant operational headache. I mean, th- this is GPU mining back at the time. Oh, they're very needy. They're like golden retrievers. Yeah, so it's like constantly, you know, attending to the miners. Each each GPU kind of has its own tolerances and. and um, systems were just shut off and you have to go manually reboot them and and this kind of stuff and even just finding a location uh with cheap power and and with available power I mean, these things just ate up tons of power um was really difficult to do and so operationally there was a lot of overhead and you know after after mining a few thousand coin you know we just wanted to get out of the business and uh really regretted not just buying bitcoin um, so we ended up selling all, all those mining rigs to a guy who had really cheap power um, in Washington. He was getting like 2.5 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, and so uh, we sold off the operation, but we kept the mining pool running for a little while. But uh, it wasn't really getting getting much traction. I mean, it was doing okay. We had merged mining um, with Namecoin. Uh but it wasn't like the business that we wanted to be in. And at the time, I thought that a decentralized pool like like P2 pool would ultimately win out. And I didn't really feel like mining should be that centralized anyway. And so um, we decided to just focus our attention completely on the exchange at that point. And that's really when we started um, in earnest building out Kraken and it took it took a good year and a half to to really get it to the point where we felt like it was ready to give to the public. Yeah, I mean, you guys you guys have just been crushing it lately. Uh, more more war stories, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> what's happened over the last couple months? Definitely, I mean, it's kind of like the the perfect storm of of stuff thrown on us. Uh, a lot of things have happened that have have increased our volume and our activity. Um, you know, twenty. 2015 was a really rough year for Bitcoin. The price was hovering around $200. Obviously, as an exchange, you know, we're, we're dependent upon really price and volatility or, or volume. And, uh, if those things are low, you know, we're not making much money. And I think it, it hurt the whole ecosystem as a whole, you know, just the price being where it was and the interest being where it was. Um, so we were really lean and really lean, um, throughout 2015 and, and coming into 2016. Uh, but a lot of things happened at the beginning of the year that really drove a lot of new um, interest and, and in a lot of activity at Kraken. And these things are, um, are CoinSetter and Sea of Vertex acquisitions. You know, we, we acquired 
around 70,000 clients there. Oh my goodness. Th- through that. Um, you know, obviously not all active, but a good chunk of those were active. Um, and we had to, to work on migrating all these users from those platforms onto Kraken. Uh, we also had... And you opened uh, a bunch of new U.S. states with Coinsetter, right? Plus yeah. Canada. I mean, that's right. a lot. That's just a lot of work. Right. So, yeah, we greatly expanded our Canadian presence and and opened up 30-plus uh, states in the United States. Um, so that was a ton of new users. Not just the users we got from Coinsetter, but you know, we had something like 40,000 U.S. users that had signed up on Kraken at some point in the last... <laughs> several years that were just sitting kind of waiting for us to turn them on. Yeah. And uh, so we finally did. And that was like a huge rush of people coming in. Uh, we also announced the, um, the series B lead from SBI. who's a, a large Japanese financial conglomerate. Um, that got a lot of press. The, the Mt. Gox update got a lot of press. Um, but the largest story obviously is ether. Uh, okay, what's that? <laughs> I probably don't need to tell you, but, uh, Ether is a, is another coin. Um, you know, it's actually, it's been in development for quite a while, but, uh, it launched in August, I believe, um, but really started to pick up a lot of traction, uh, in January. You know, and the price, um, the price opened at around $2.50, um, back in August. Um, you know, I think the pre-sale, the pre-sale was around 25 cents per coin. Oh, wow. Um, and it opened at, at around 250, which was great. You know, everyone, everyone was happy with the 10x returns. Uh, but then it dropped down to about 60 cents. And since then has come back up to, I think it, I think it touched $15 <laughs> the other day. So obviously like huge spike, uh, in growth there. Volatility to change. Tons, tons of volatility, tons of new interest. Um, tons of people who felt like they missed the, the first Bitcoin wave, who saw Ether as sort of a second opportunity, and maybe Ether or, or Ethereum as sort of the 2.0, uh, the Facebook that's going to replace the, the MySpace that is Bitcoin. Um, you know, so there's a lot of hype around Ether. And, um, is it just hype? It's not there, all hype. No, is there there's some substance. There's definitely some substance there. Of course, um, I mean you trade it, right? Yeah, you know we're, we're very selective about the coins, the coins that we offer. Dogecoin, uh, Dogecoin. <laughs> there was a lot of hype around Dogecoin at, at one time too, and you know it had a very strong community around it. Today, not so much. But like um, Namecoin, for example, you did lots of uh, technical due diligence on that, right? Yeah, maybe you can go into that a little. We bit. did, yeah. We we did find a critical flaw in Namecoin and um, reported it, and fortunately, it got patched. Um, but since, you know, Namecoin hasn't really, hasn't really gained the traction, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I mean, but still, like, how about Ether? I mean, have you, have you kind of dug into the, the protocol there, found any problems? Yeah, no, we haven't found any, any issues with Ether. I mean, a, a lot of it, though, is very new, very new stuff, and, um, very complicated and things are still evolving like the the way that mining or coin generation works uh, consensus works for example is still potentially going to change to a, a proof of stake mechanism for away from mining so there's things still evolving with ether um, we haven't ourselves found any critical issues with it 
um, you know, we, we again did a lot of diligence before we launched it. How many ether are there going to be? Unknown. Oh, so, it's unknown. Yeah. Interesting. It, it sort of depends on what happens with mining, uh, whether it eventually converts into a proof of stake or, or mining just continues on forever. And so it could, it could have an infinite supply, is what you're saying. Uh, I'm not, you know, again, this is still evolving, so I guess theoretically it could be infinite. I don't believe that there is a cap. So it's right not, now. so it's not like Bitcoin where supposedly there's this 21 million cap. I mean, it's not like we, we have kind of this hard limit set on the number of ether. It's, right. It's still an ether. So far, yeah, there's no hard limit on the number of ether. Why do you think people are speculating on it so much then? Well, I, I think that if it does switch to proof of stake, then, then there definitely is like a finite amount of it. Um, but I think a lot of the speculation is around just how it will be used. Like there are a lot of, a lot of huge companies that are talking about doing stuff with Ether, like Microsoft, for example, um, IBM are both using Ether in some capacity. And, uh, so that, I think that sort of, um, recommendation is very strong. And um, there are a lot of cool things like Slocket. Yeah, uh, I really like that. Yeah. I, I interviewed Kristoff actually, who uh, awesome. for the podcast. Yeah, great, cool. Yeah, so that's like a really cool project. I mean, people are doing really cool things. I mean, there's consensus. There are a lot of cool projects being built on Ether, and uh, it's doing a lot of things that Bitcoin hasn't been able to do. On top of that, you know, we've got this sort of divergence in the Bitcoin community about which way Bitcoin's going. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of uncertainty around that that's costing um, a lot of confidence that people had in Bitcoin. So when do I get to sell my classic coins on Kraken? <laughs> you know, <laughs> as soon as people uh, are asking to trade classic coins, you know, we're always happy to list more altcoins. You know, we've got a long history of, of listing altcoins, and uh, we wouldn't have a problem listing classic coins or diet coins or, you know, any other sort of uh, soda-based coins that <laughs> flavor du jour <laughs> <laughs> that come up. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you know, our these days we're, we are uh, much more of an Ether exchange than we are a, a Bitcoin exchange. Just based on volume. Based on volume, well, yeah. But, but it's the Ether-Bitcoin pair, so... Right, that's true, that's true. Uh, so Bitcoin's obviously key there, and I think that. Well, I mean, are, are you trying to say that Ether's going to evolve into the store of value, or could we actually have multiple successful I cryptocurrency think, coins out there filling we, different use cases? We can have multiple successful coins filling different use cases, and and depending upon what happens with Bitcoin, Bitcoin may be the store of value use case, and maybe Ether's the the transactional um, payments coin. You know, uh, even with something like Lightning Network on the horizon. Yeah, Lightning Network will definitely improve things. Um, you know, that's it's not out yet, so we'll see what happens. Um, there are obviously things that, that can happen with Bitcoin that can improve the situation, and I hope that that those things happen. You know, what what Bitcoin really has going for it is its entrenchment, the brand recognition. Um, it's got all the the on and off ramps. It's got the bridges to fiat that Ether doesn't have, which I think is why you'll see that the, the Ether Bitcoin markets are so much larger than the, the fiat Ether markets. It's just 
so much easier for people to get into Bitcoin. Like you can go, you can go anywhere and buy Bitcoin. There's a local bitcoins.com. As far as I know, there's not a local ether.com. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so there's so many more ramps in and out of Bitcoin. Uh, and so if nothing else, Bitcoin may, may survive as, uh, this sort of, um, entry point into other cryptos. What do you kind of see your role as in, in this industry then? You know, I mean, if we're, if we've got lots of, controversial things like this uh, block size debate and how hard forks could happen. Like, yeah. I mean, what, what's what's the role of the exchange in all of this? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got my even personal care? opinions, of course, but, you no, know, the no, exchange... I'm much more interested in the exchange than... Yeah, so the exchange itself, you know, we try to be neutral, we're trying to be sort of the, the Switzerland of of uh, businesses. More volume in that way. Yeah, right. I mean, why pick a side? We, we want to support everything. I mean, we're in the business of, of making money, not choosing uh, ideologies. And so if people want to trade a coin, we, we want to support it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter to us, you know, what, what the underlying, like, movement is behind it, so long as there's, there's interest there. Yeah, and enough paying customers. Yeah, exactly. What, what, do, what do customers want you know, I mean, how how do we how do how do customers kind of uh, get new things added to Kraken or like new features? I mean, huh. do we should we talk about it in Twitter threads? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, if if you got a, a comments thread on this podcast, that would be a good way to to submit a suggestion or tweet us on Twitter at KrakenFX or submit a support ticket with a suggestion. You know, we we keep track of all all of the suggestions and and we score them and and it does help us to determine how to prioritize things internally well we've had a wonderful wonderful interview with the legendary jesse powell of kraken uh thanks so much for being with us yeah thanks again trace always good be sure to get a copy of the free bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.